The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. My second mom is in the house today. I don't get just my mom, but I get my second mom. So my mom's best friend, Debbie, is here visiting from Oregon. She is here. And a couple fun stories, because moms need to have fun, and they are fun. And I remember, this is the classic one, but went to her, see her daughter, Sarah, and I were best friends. We met in, like, preschool uh, ballet class before even kindergarten. And that is how they became friends. And, of course, we grew up being best friends as well. And she ha always had the coolest birthday parties. Sarah had the best birthday parties. So there was a birthday party where the rumor had it that in the forest behind Debbie and Sarah's house, a dinosaur had laid an egg. And it was our job. We had to find it. And it was a super special dinosaur egg. And we searched and we searched and we found the painted dinosaur egg. You cannot imagine how excited it is. Like, out of all my childhood memories, I remember the dinosaur egg, and we found it. And let me tell you, we opened it because it was our job to see what was inside, and it was the best-tasting watermelon you've ever had in your life. So um, just fun stories. Moms have fun. Um, so... Um, so it's been over 19 years since I first became a mother. Now, my story, I loved the Lord my whole life. I was saved when I was four and a half years old. I've known the Lord my whole entire life. I've known his love, and I've never wavered, not for a day. Not one day have I ever walked away, wavered, doubted, or anything. So I thought I really, really understood love. It wasn't until I became a mom that I understood it to an entire different level. I knew God's love. I knew the love I had for my husband. Like I told you, we've been best friends since we were in middle school. I knew love, but it was a different kind of love the second, the instant I became a mom. They handed me Krista, and I looked down at her. It was overwhelming. It was huge, and it was an unconditional love completely different than anything else I've ever known. And in that moment, like I'm exhausted, I'm starving, all I wanted was bowls of Cheerios because it had been 28 hours of the longest delivery of my life because it was my only delivery of my life, but it was still horrible. And I look at her and I just hear God saying, that is how God, that is how he loves me. That is how he loves us. The way that I all of a sudden just put was given this baby, and this is how God loves me, the same that I love her. So a scripture for that is Romans 8, 37 through 39. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ our Lord. So that was my first experience as a new mom and understanding God's love. Then we get pregnant with our second, and I'm super, super, super excited. We're building our family. But I had this fear 
very great fear. I still remember it the day that we are, the night we're driving to the hospital. And I'm so worried, like I can't, I want this second baby, but I can't because I'm going to be horrible. I, there's no way that I could possibly love her as equally as our first, because the first is the first. I mean, it's just something about the first, the first. And I'm like, I want to be a really great parent. I want to be a great mom, and I'm going to love her, but there's just going to be a little slight difference. And then I feel guilty because that's terrible. What kind of, I don't deserve to be a parent again because you can't do that. And then they give me all 10 pounds, four ounces of our Alicia, and all of a sudden, in a wave, instant, it was equal. It was the equal amount, the exact same. There was no partiality. There was no preference. She was not second. She was not, she was absolutely equal to the love we had for our firstborn. And then I hear God tell me again, this is how I love you. And I got to experience another division or, or angle of how God can love us. He loves us all equally. There is no favorites. Well, they're, you know, better at this than I am. They're building God's kingdom faster than we are. They're, they didn't make the mistakes that I made. None of that. God loves us all the same and equally. It's overwhelming. It's huge. It's unconditional. And it's equal. Scripture for that one is Romans 2.11. For God shows no partiality, no favoritism with him. One person is not more important than another. And of course, having baby number three and baby number four taught me even more. Our Cammie and our Jackson. Cammie, I felt like, this is it. She completes our family. We have arrived. I don't need to have any more children because she is enough. She completes our family. That definitely taught me to not put limits on God um, because never say what's never going to happen. Um, Jackson taught me that you change diapers differently when you have a boy. That first time, all this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? So Jackson taught me lots of important things like that. He also taught me that um, by the fourth child, all brain cells were gone. Um, I remember there was some women's leadership meeting, and it was at Starbucks, and I was so excited because I was going to go, and Andy was watching all the kids. And I had in my mind, this was my first outing to leave our house, for me to leave the house without kids. Of course, you know, you take your infants with you wherever you go. But it was so in my mind that this is my night off, like it's my night. And so I go to Starbucks, I'm sitting there talking to people. He's probably six weeks old, about the age of Kira right now. And, he, and I'm talking, they're like, so where's Jackson? And I went to talk, and I looked at him, and I'm like, and my eyes, and I didn't even speak, and I jumped out of my seat, and I ran to the parking lot, and I got Jackson out of the van. That was like 7 o'clock that night. We're at Starbucks, you know. So that's great. So then the meeting, it only lasts an hour. Maybe it was 8 o'clock. It was only an hour, and he was only out there, bless his heart, five minutes, you know. He doesn't make any noise. Everything's great. The meeting ends crazy early, and my last thought is there's no chance I'm going back home already. I mean, it's like this is my night out. I'm not going to enjoy one hour of a meeting and call it good. So what does every mom do when they have a night out and unaccounted for? I went to Target. <laughs> I mean, so it's the middle of winter in Vancouver, Washington. We're in, I'm inside Target, and I had no money, and I had nothing I really needed to buy, 
well, no, I probably could have bought a lot. I had no money, and so I've got, you know, my my str- my um not stroller, my grocery cart, and I'm just they call them buggies here in Texas, by the way. So there I was with my buggy, but it's a grocery cart, and I'm walking around Target up and down every aisle, looking at all the new styles and the new stuff. Every department, every department for an hour. You get the announcement, we are now closing, please proceed to the checkout. And so, okay, well, I don't really, I, I, I maybe got a couple things. And I'm strolling out to my car and I press my little remote to slide open my van door. And there's Jackson's car seats as it's snowing, as it's snowing. I forgot my son in the van two times in the same evening in the middle of winter. And I called Andy. CPS is going to take our children from us. I can't mother anymore. I'm losing my mind. So that's what um, baby number four taught me. Force a lot. And if you don't watch it, you might lose them and forget them and lose your mind. So anyway, so that is um, just some funny things. But all in all, we're growing our family. Everything's amazing. I thought I had learned all the lessons that God wanted to teach me on how God's love and a mother's love are the same or equal. And then we were asked to adopt a baby. And I have found myself learning and experiencing yet another aspect of God's great love for us. I knew without a doubt I would love this child as our own. I knew she would steal my heart. But I thought, it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, I didn't feel her growing in my belly. I didn't feel her kicking or hiccuping for all that she loves to hiccup. I didn't birth her. There's so many things that I didn't do, and so I'm going to love her, but it, it will be just a, a little bit different, and that's okay. I mean, it, that's, that's okay. That's normal. And then she entered the world, and I held her almost immediately after she was born, and that same overwhelming, huge, unconditional, and equal love overcame me. I was crying. I was crying nonstop. It was the same. My love was the same. Yeah, she knows about it. She knows. There was no difference. There was no difference that she hadn't been like the other kids, grown up in my be- grown in my belly. And then all of a sudden, God told me again, this is how he loves us. We are his adopted. It's exactly how he loves us. And, of course, I start looking up scriptures for that. Romans 8, 14 through 17 For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the same in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And then comes our adoption court day, which um, I had learned is our gotcha day, which Lori made me and Kira amazing shirts for. We invited everybody, come to our celebration, come eat, have fun, celebrate with us because she's ours. She's legally ours. And this showed me how God fights for us. He pleads for us and he waits for us and then he celebrates when we become his. When we make the decision to surrender our hearts and become one of God's children, he celebrates. He has been there the whole time waiting. 
And when we make that decision, all of heaven celebrates that overwhelming emotion of becoming his, becoming part of God's kingdom forever. Luke 15, 7, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, if you have been missing that huge, overwhelming, unconditional, and equal love, God is waiting to adopt you. It's something that I I remember when I became a mom of teenagers, I called my mother and I apologized and I said, I have no idea exactly what I'm apologizing for because it's a long time ago, but just know that I'm sorry from the ages of 13 to 18. I love you and I'm so, so sorry. And we make joking of it, you know, and it's, it's until I became a mom of teenagers that I realized the sacrifices my mom had made for me. And it's until I became a mom and I became a parent that I realized how much God loves me and everyone else but me, and it's equal, and it's the same. And that is available for every single one of you. And so if you've been missing a joy, if you've been missing an empty, kind of a feeling that, like, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like everybody else is, like, doing a lot better than I am. Everybody else, that's because there is something missing. You're waiting to be adopted. And so Pastor Andy is going to come up. He wants to share with you just a little bit more about that. But to all the moms, I want to say happy Mother's Day, and you're doing an amazing job. Awesome. All right. That's awesome. She said, as soon as I start to cry, I'm going to step down and pass it off. So I was waiting for that moment. Uh, You know, the message of adoption uh, is the heart of God. It really is. And what's amazing about it is that oftentimes with adoption, people go into, you see on the movies, you see on the stories, people go into the different facilities or the adoption places, and if there's a kid that has a problem, they avoid that, right? Well, this kid has an autism. Well, this kid has a disability. Well, this kid came from a hard life and has these different problems, and what happens is that then we avoid those, right? And we, wh- where's the easy kid that will be easy to parent? Where's the one that will make it just so I have, like, the cool stuff of being a parent, and it'll be amazing for me, and I'll look really good? You know, that's what I'm looking for. It's, you know, like well-rounded, you know, good background, good pet. Like we're getting a pet, you know. I want the purebred, the one that doesn't have an issue, you know, that doesn't have a little bit of pit bull mixed in. Like, is there one of those? Maybe already housebroken, amen, <laughs> for that. But kids don't come that way. And we avoid that. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. That the Bible says that he came to seek and to save the lost. When Jesus was here roaming the earth, and people were wondering, why aren't you meeting with all of the, the best people? Why aren't you meeting with all the, the priests and all the people? Why aren't you spending all your time there? And he's roaming the street with the blind and the beggars and the possessed. And he's roaming with these people, the tax cheats, all these people. And his answer was that it's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. See, when God comes to adopt, he doesn't come to adopt the people that are already perfect. He comes to adopt the people that know that they need 
his help, that they need him to come in and to rescue them and to love them. The Bible says that we're all sinners, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's every single one of us, me included, even after I gave my life to Jesus, even before I came up on stage today, and probably before I come up on stage next week. Okay? That's just reality. We fall short of God. And so that falling short is called sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Now, we experience that death in a kind of a foreshadow in this life. We see death of relationships. We see death of confidence. We see death of, of just our joy. All these different areas, we feel that happen. And that's a foreshadowing of the death to come. Our bodies die, then our spirits die, and are separated from God. But the Bible declares that Jesus, which we sang about today, made a way. That he came down and he took death upon himself for our sins, for our shortcomings, for our failures, for who we are. That he came and that he actually paid the price. Like when we adopted Kira, there was a price to be paid. You would think you'd just go pick her up. But no, there's a price to be paid. And the price climbed week by week by week. <laughs> they kept on sending us another bill. I'm like, well, I don't have a lot of money. But we're in, whatever it costs. Jesus was in whatever it costs for you. Jesus was in whatever it costs for me. As an alcoholic, as an angry person, a hermit that used to hide in my home, Jesus was in for everything it meant not only to save me, but then to walk beside me as I changed and became more and more like him. And that's what he has for you. And all that it takes, the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. That's it. It's a voluntary adoption. Kira didn't get that choice. We took her home. When she gets old enough to think about it, she may be like, oh, my gosh, what happened? But right now, we just took her, okay? But we get the option. God comes to us and says, I want to adopt you. I want to bring you into my family. And if we are willing to say, yes, I'll accept Jesus, the sacrifice that he paid. I want to be in your family. And we'll accept that. There's no other strings attached. We get to walk right in with our mess-ups, our hang-ups, our problems, our issues, and we begin to become more like him along the way. So with every eye bowed, every eye closed, every head bowed, bow your eyes if you're talented. That's right, right there. <laughs> oh, Ernest, I'm going to have you come up here and do this instead. If today's the day that you'd like to say, you know, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to be adopted into God's family through the price that he paid what he does is he removes the sin that stands between us, which is a legal barrier between us. In the Old Testament times, they would sacrifice animals to pay that time of death or that, that price of death, and they'd do it over and over. But the Bible says that Jesus came, the Lamb of God, that he came and he is the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice. And that's why we don't sacrifice any more animals, because he's paid the price for us. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus, become a part of his family, by putting your faith in him today, just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up to the front. All I want to do is pray with you. I just want to see you as a pastor and just identify with you and just pray over you. If you've known the Lord before and you say, you know, I just want to rededicate my life like Sean did. Sean had known the Lord, walked away, and said, man, I want to get right with the Lord. Then I'd just like to pray with you. So if you just raise your hand and take a moment to acknowledge you and pray. Father, I just pray over everyone that's here. Father, I pray for those, God, that are, Lord, making a decision, Father, to give their life to you. Father, to rededicate their life to you right now. God, I pray that you would come into their heart, Father, and just begin by your spirit, Lord, to bring new life. 
or to bring joy. God, John 10, 10, Father's already said today, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but you have come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. God, I pray abundant life, God, to fill their heart, fill their mind, Lord, that today will be the day of new beginnings for them, Lord, as they come to know you, Father. Pray that it sends your presence, Lord, and your joy at bringing them into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have... Uh, Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.